Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60 as we continue our series on Isaiah. All of us have seen children when they were excited about something that was coming up, whether it was their birthday or Christmas or camp, whatever it might be. They get so excited that they couldn't sleep. Well, I believe that this prophecy of Isaiah is designed to create that same kind of excitement in God's people. In uh, chapter 59 of Isaiah, in verse 20, it says, The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. Here's this promise. The Redeemer will come. And then uh, Isaiah jumps over some seven to eight hundred years here, and tells in chapter 60 about the coming. In uh, verse 1, we have the command to Zion to arise and shine. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Arise, shine, as the command. Give light. Shine out. Now, that's directed to Zion. I just got back from Jerusalem, went with the choir, my wife and I, a wonderful trip. And uh, Jerusalem sits on a hill, one of which is Mount Zion. Part of that the city it sits on there. When we walked out one of the gates of the city, it says Mount Zion. And this came to be in Scripture a symbol of Jerusalem or of the city of God, the God's true church, spiritual Israel. And so this is directed to true believers. In Hebrews 12, it's applied to the church today where it says, you're not uh, come to uh, the mountain to smoke, but you're come to Mount Zion, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's part of Zion is in heaven. That's what you're a part of if you're a Christian. And so this is directed to you. And notice what they're to do. They're to arise, shine, give out light. And the basis of the commandment, they receive light. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Uh, you've received light, now give it out. Notice the contrast with the earth's darkness. In verse 2, see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. This darkness of the peoples, the nations, they're without spiritual light. They walk in spiritual darkness. And the shadow here of darkness, uh, destruction. Now, the light has come upon Zion, though. And the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. You remember when uh, Jesus was born, the old gentleman who, when Jesus was being presented by his parents, by Mary and Joseph, at uh, the temple for the dedication, something like we baptize the children here today, he's being brought to the temple. And this old Simeon who 
God has revealed to Simeon that before he dies, he will see this Redeemer. He will see the Lord's Christ. And as they present their child in the temple, suddenly he jumps up and he runs up and he grabs the baby. And he says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen uh, your glory. We have seen your salvation, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Just imagine as I baptize these babies this morning, someone, an old gentleman like Crawford Nevins in the congregation, <laughs> had uh, jumped up and come running up here and grabbed the baby and jumped around and said, Lord, let me die. I've seen him. We'd say, what manner of baby is this? Well, he was the light that would come. In uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, it talks about Jesus going to an area where there were Gentiles and beginning to preach. In Matthew 4, 12, when Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, uh, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah some 750 years before, where it says, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's the light uh, coming now, uh, with Christ's first coming. Now, uh, the command uh, to Zion to rise and shine, the contrast to the earth's darkness, the conversion of the Gentiles. And there's a sense in which there's a sense in which that light dawns at its fullest as Jesus now rides in on Palm Sunday, and all the crowds gather, and uh, they cry, "Hosanna!" To the Son of David, you are the Messiah. Praise God, you've come as promised. The Redeemer has come to Zion. Here it culminates as he rides in and there are the palm trees and the palm leaves and the uh, garments thrown down in front of the donkey. But the, it leads on here then to the conversion of the Gentile nations, that this is going to take place. In uh, verse 3, notice the general prediction. Nations will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. The heads of nations. Then he amplifies greatly on this. The amplification in verse 4. Lift up your eyes and look about you, Zion. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. And your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Here's these nations, these Gentiles coming to be a part of God's Zion. As Zion gives out the light to others, and they respond. And uh, as, as these come, notice the emotion here that Zion feels when it says, Your heart will throb and swell with joy. At the spiritual Israel, joyful over people coming to be a part of God's true Israel. Man, does our heart throb when we see someone... When we see these young people make a public profession of faith in Christ, when we see someone come to Christ, accept Him, bow the knee to Him, oh, our heart ought to just thrill with this. Now, uh, 
the dedication with which they come. In verse 6, herds of animals will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all the Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. These Gentiles, they come and they're carried in every conceivable way and they bring their gold and their silver in their lives and they dedicate them to God, to Zion's God. Have we done that? Have we come with that same kind of dedication, bringing ourselves and saying, Lord, I understand. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Nothing I have is mine. I belong to you. I understand. I'm your steward. I manage all of this for you. That's the attitude with which they come here. Uh, the readiness with which they come. In verse 8, it says, uh, and Who are these that fly along like clouds, like doves to their nests? Uh, surely the islands look to me and the lead of the ships of Tarshish, bringing your sons from afar with their silver and gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. The readiness with which they come. Isaiah looks and he sees all this movement towards Jerusalem, uh, like doves flying. Charles Spurgeon preached a, a sermon on this and he says, they, why do they come like that? And he said, because God draws them. And when God draws them, they have to come. That's what the scriptures call an effectual call. Whom he predestined, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Everyone who's called like that comes. They come to repentance and faith. Remember, Jesus said, no man can come to me lest the Father which sent me draw him. But he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Uh, God draws through the preaching of the gospel. And by his spirit applying that to hearts, he shows men their need of Christ. And they come. They come like doves uh, drawn by him. They come like doves who are chased by a hawk, says Spurgeon. They are conscious of their danger. They look at hell yawning before them. And they flee. They flee to Christ. Uh, as the, this movement of men and women, and these who have been in darkness now are sons of Zion. They're part of Zion. Now, the strengthening that results from their coming to Zion, in verse 10, foreigners will rebuild your walls, and their kings will serve you. The strengthening spiritually, not a literal rebuilding of the walls, but a, a spiritual building up of God's Zion through this movement in of Gentiles. Notice the cause of their coming in verse 10. Though in anger I struck you, in favor I will show you compassion. God was angry with Israel in Isaiah's day. And he sent the Assyrians. And then later on, he sent them in captivity to Babylon because of their sin. But God would show mercy. The day was coming when he would so bless his true Israel that Gentiles and others would come and would uh, build up the nation here. Now... Notice the continual opportunity to come. This goes on and on and on and on. Verse 11. Your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut, day nor night, so that men may bring you the wealth of the nations. Their kings led in triumphal procession. Here's this gate of the city, God's city. It's open day and night. Now, my... In Revelation, John 
has a picture in the book of Revelation of this city. And the way he puts it is like this. He says, The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. When Dave Waller sang for us the holy city, remember the verse that said, The light of God is on her streets. Uh, Her gates are open wide, and all who would could enter, and none would be denied. If men don't enter the city, it's because they exclude themselves. Her gates are open wide. Whosoever will may come. The consequences for those who do not come. What happens if you don't come and be part of this city? Look at verse 12. For the nation or the kingdom that will not serve you will perish. It will be utterly ruined. Any person, any people that are not a part of God's Zion will perish. Now, Jesus said, I am a way, a, no, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he went on to explain that coming by him involved believing in him. Except you believe that I am he, you will perish in your sins. Whither I go, namely to heaven, you cannot come. Believing in him involves believing that he was God the Son. Part of the triune Godhead, that he became man, was true God, true man, that he died an atoning death. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, uh, you were there in the sense that he was dying for you. Your guilt, your rebellion against God was laid on him. And uh, he rose literally from the dead. And he offers you forgiveness, legal clearance, adoption into the family of God, a new quality of life as a result of his Holy Spirit living within you. All that's offered as a gift by grace. If you will place your trust in him upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity and surrender to your will to him as your master. Everyone has a master. No one in the world who doesn't have a master. The question is, are you going to have a good and loving master or are you going to have the other master? Only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Now, if you surrender to him and place your trust in him, then you've walked through the gate and you're a part of the city of Zion. But how does that happen? It only happens when men hear. Remember in Romans 10 where Paul says, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Place their trust in him shall be saved. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? So those who've come to be a part of God's Zion, our job is to arise and shine. Get the word out in every means possible so that men can walk through the gate. They have to. They have to respond. But our job is to get the word out. Now, we see the, this command to Zion to arise and shine, the contrast to the gross darkness that covers the earth, uh, the 
conversion of the Gentiles. They're going to come, says Isaiah. And the continuation of the description of the future glory of Zion. He elaborates on that. And as he does so, some of it is fulfilled in principle right now. Some of it will be fulfilled in perfection in the world to come, when Christ comes back or when you go to be with him. He weaves those two together. Uh, Notice the beauty of the city. In verse 13, he says, The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the pine, the fir, the cypress together, to adorn the place of my sanctuary, and I will glorify the place of my feet. When the temple was built by Solomon, they brought the timber from Lebanon and built this glorious temple, one of the wonders of the world there. Uh, And then later on it was rebuilt. The beauty of the city. The homage shown shown the city by her former enemies. In verse 14, the sons of your oppressors will come bowing down before you. All who despise you will bow down at your feet and will call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Think about Paul. It was Paul who was an oppressor. Of Zion, Paul went about and he took Jews who had come to faith in Christ and he said, You are wrong. You are in heresy. Uh, Jesus is not the Messiah. You deserve to be imprisoned if not put to death. And he was leading that effort. And all of a sudden, the risen Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And Paul bowed his knee and became the number one missionary. Here's one who is an oppressor. And now he's come bowing down. Many of us, many of us were like that. How long did you go on? How long did I go on ridiculing those who would tell us of our need of Christ? And it involved a real surrender. It involved living differently than those around us were living. And I said, man, you're a fanatic. What are you talking about? And then the day came when I came bowed down and said, yes, you are right. And I was wrong. And you are the people of God. And I want to be a part of this body. Of God's Zion. Here is here this homage done the city by her former enemies. The blessedness of the city. Verse 15. Although you've been forsaken and hated with no one traveling through, I will make you the everlasting pride and the joy of all generations. You will drink the milk of nations and be nursed at royal breasts. You will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One. Of Jacob. Uh, here's this blessedness. Does it seem a dreary life to surrender your will to Christ, to be a part of God's Zion? Look at all the fun that those outside the city are having. Cut on the television. Look at all the fun they're having. Brother, I've been there. I've been outside the city. I've been inside the city. That's nothing compared to this. This is where joy is. This is where fulfillment is. This is not dreary. This is exciting to be a part of God's Zion. Now the knowledge of the Lord will permeate the city. There in verse 16 he says, You will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior. Every, everyone in the city knows the Lord. The peace and security of the city. In verse 17 Instead of bronze, I'll bring you gold and silver in the place of iron. Instead of wood, I'll bring you bronze and iron in the place of stones. I will make peace your governor and righteousness your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. 
You will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The security of the city. And uh, the <coughs> hymn about uh, <coughs> uh, glorious things of thee are spoken. One of the verses talks about with salvation's walls surrounded, you may smile at all your foes. Remember how Paul puts it in Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of Christ, love of God? Shall tribulation or nakedness or peril or sword, uh, as it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter? No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor height nor depth nor any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The security of being a part of God's Zion. Uh, the light of the city. Verse 19. The sun will no longer be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Here's the light of the city. And in a sense, this is fulfilled in principle now. You've received light, spiritual light. But it'll be fulfilled in perfection in the future. And again, John, in the book of Revelation, talks about uh, the light of the city. And uh, he says that uh, the old order of things will pass away. How the absence of mourning in this city... Notice what's not there. In uh, verse 20, the last part, your days of sorrow will end. The way John puts that in the book of Revelation, he says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. There will be no more death, neither will there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, I make all things new. In this city, death will pass away. The absence of mourning, the righteousness of the inhabitants. Verse 21, then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. All those in God's Zion are righteous. They reckon righteous. Abraham believed God, and though he was a sinner, it was reckoned to him for righteousness. God credited him with a record of perfect obedience. And when you place your faith in Christ and surrender your will to Christ, God justifies you. He credits Christ's perfect obedience to you and your sin to Jesus Christ. And you're righteous legally, but also he begins to change you by his indwelling spirit, united with your spirit. And he begins to produce the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, self-control. And so your life begins to become more righteous, more and more. And that's the evidence that you really have placed your faith in him and you really have surrendered your life to him. Is this growing trend of obedience in your life. That's the character of the people of this city. And uh, the purpose of the city. Verse 21, 
The last part. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. This city exists to bear fruit to God and to display his glory. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As our lives change, as other lives are impacted, the Father is glorified. And then the confidence with which this could be expected. Will this happen? Yes, it will happen. Notice in verse 22. The least of you will become a thousand. The smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will do this swiftly. Now, think of the excitement that an Old Testament believer, looking around at the nation at all the sin, at the threatening Assyrians and Babylonians and all, and he reads this prophecy. He says, can it be? Could this be that these Gentile nations who are worshiping their idols, Baal and Ashtaroth, could it be that they're going to turn and here even within our own nation is going to be a change? Could it be that the true Israel is going to multiply and multiply and become a strong force in the world? And it would give him hope. What about you and me? We are those who have come. We are those Gentiles who came like doves. We're the ones who came on the ships and camels in every way and been brought in to be a part of God's Zion, become sons and daughters of the people of God here. Man alive, it's happened. How should we feel? Man, it should thrill the Old Testament believer in prospect. How much us experiencing it? For the Christian, remember the purpose of this prophecy, to encourage us, to excite us, to move us, to let our light shine. Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord has come upon you now. Let that light shine out. Let your joys be known. The world claims this joy. Let your joy be known. We're marching to Zion as a great hymn. Come, we that love the Lord, and let our joys be known. Join in a song with street accord, sweet accord, and thus surround the throne. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God, but children of the heavenly King may speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we uh, walk the golden streets, we're marching to Zion. Man, alive. That's who we are. We ought to be excited about it. And our excitement ought to attract others. And then we ought to be grateful that we're a part. When this passing world is done, when has sunk yon glaring sun, when we stand with Christ in glory, looking o'er life's finished story, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When I stand before the throne, dressed in beauty, not my own, when I see thee as thou art, love thee with unsinning heart, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When I hear the wicked call on the rocks and hills to fall, when I see them start and shrink on the fiery deluge brink, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Chosen not for good in me, wakened up 
from wrath to flee. Teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my love. Love for God, love for my fellow man, how much I owe. Boy, let this permeate our thinking every day and change our lives. That darkness is still all around us. There's still nations, entire nations that are in darkness almost. And tribes and people and neighborhoods and people in families and people in school and people that you work with who are in darkness. Our job is to let the light shine. One of our members, Dr. Bob Cosby, has headed up a program to mail a copy of the Jesus video to every home in Alabama. That will happen this week. Your neighbors will be receiving it. You'll be receiving it. That's the Jesus Video Project. Let's pray. Let's pray that God would use that to touch lives, to open eyes. Speak to your neighbor. Hey, have you gotten your video? Man, have you looked at it? What did you think? Why don't we watch it together? Come on over. Or let me come over. Bring my family. Oh, let's pray that God would cause the light to shine. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, the light is shining. You say, well, it hasn't shined on me. Go to him like the blind beggar went to Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy. And Jesus said, what do you want? That I might receive my sight. Go and say that. I remember years ago leading a home Bible study and my college roommate's wife. And he came to the study. And as we had our study, then we went around the room and each one prayed. And I remember her praying, God is so dark. Please give me light. And I really didn't get a chance to talk with her. I had to go out of town. And, and uh, I prayed and came back. And I didn't know how she doing. And we had our study again. And we prayed again. And as we went around, she said, oh, God, the light's so bright. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. For open your eyes. Amen. Just go to it, Lord. Shine in me. Do it now. Let's pray. If you're a Christian here, arise, shine. The light has come. Now let it shine out. How can you reach out? What do you need to do? Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your family. Pray for others. And be grateful that you're part of God's Zion. If you're not a Christian, that you want the light to shine in you, Pray in your heart like this. Lord Jesus, I'm the blind beggar. Lord, cause your light to shine in my life. I come. I do believe your claim. I open my life as best I know how. I walk through the gate. I trust you as my Savior. I surrender to you as my Master. Give light. Amen.